So what you just said is it's important to you how you make money, not mm. only the money. So money as a way to provide value to the world. That's really powerful. If you asked me, I would have always said that money is value. How mm. are these people making money without providing value? Hi everyone, this is Sudeshna from The Abundant Psyche and you are listening to The Abundant Psyche Podcast. We have a new name and I also have with us fellow listener who has been following us for quite a while. Welcome Humaira. Humaira Tarsho has been following us for a couple of years, I think, and we have been good friends on the back of that. So I thought, why not bring you on a journey with what our other listeners want to listen to, have been listening to, what they have gotten from the blog, the podcast, every other set of content that we produce at The Abundant Cycle on Instagram and wherever else we do it. So yeah, Humaira, welcome to The Abundant Psyche Podcast. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Hi. Hi, everyone. So, should I just introduce myself then? Yeah, so I know you, but for our listeners, why don't you do a bit of it? So, I'm Humaira. I'm 24 years old and I'm studying for a business degree at SPJ School of Global Management. I have two years of work experience in IT with a specialization in ERP and data analytics. On the side, I have two startups, and I think that's how I actually started listening to you. So, one of the startups is a social impact startup where I help our students, high school students, in university applications. And the second one, I'm freelancing IT services, and this one is a B2B, um, traditional kind of business model. Okay, brilliant. So tell me, how did you start listening to the Abundant Psyche podcast or the not-so-corporate podcast and following the Abundant Psyche? So the first time I saw you was on Instagram, actually, and I was actually doing the social impact startup, trying to find resources that would be helpful for students, trying to find partners, but not necessarily so. Like sometimes just other Instagram accounts which are doing something that, that is very interesting and that I could share with my students. And that actually ended up in me finding one of your content on internships and and entry-level jobs, I think. I was super interested because you were talking about it in a way that other, other people were not talking about it. You were very honest about it. You were very, in, you were, you were very insightful about what exactly goes into the process and what exactly people should be looking at and also are not looking at. I was very interested in that and I that's how I started looking at your content. I didn't really listen to not the not the corporate podcast until way afterwards when I signed up for your mailing list and then I saw that you also had that going on. But yeah, that's a little bit about how I started. Okay, brilliant. And what made you follow along the journey? Was it more to help your students or did you feel like you got something out of it? What's going on? I definitely felt like at some point in the journey, I was also getting something out of it because I'm still a young uh, adult, still trying to figure out my career in some ways as well. So I definitely at some point in my journey, in my career, I was having some questions or I was having some doubts. And then your content was really meaningful because it addresses some of those questions. 
And even when I don't need the answers, sometimes just like looking at this and then it sparks like a moment of reflection and that actually helps somewhere along the line. So definitely there's something for me to gain as well. Um, for my students, it tends to be more about the approach rather than the content sometimes. So for example, you did a couple of workshops that I attended and the very methodic and the very fact-based, evidence-based approach, the very simple but effective kind of way you take the workshop participants through the different steps of the workshops where we in was CV related and entry level job related. So the very simple but effective way you take this the participants through it, that was really helpful and that actually informed how I was also working with my students. So there's there's multiple ways I benefited from it. Right. Okay. That's really interesting to know. And yeah, we did a couple of workshops together for your college folks as well. So thank you for all those opportunities and thank you for obviously following through for a long time and then becoming a friend really. So I do really appreciate that. So tell me, Omaira, right now what's going on with your life career situation? So I'm halfway through my degree right now. So what I'm doing most of is internships or small work placements. And I'm trying to really cement my entry into the consulting world so that's where i'm heading and why consulting i've given that a lot of thought and i've realized that i'm not a business as usual kind of person i really like working on new projects working with new clients and i really enjoy that even if it means having a less deep understanding and then going into the fabric of different industries and different clients services or products it mm-hmm. still means that I get that thrill of finding something new. So that's where I'm at. Very early career, I would say. But I've already got some years of work experience. So I've already have some notion of what, what, I'm, I, what I want to do and where I see myself going. Of course, understand. And I mean, I have lots to say, obviously, about the consulting career. But I honestly think it's one of the best places people can start. Because you mentioned you don't get deep expertise, but then... Also, you get the broad expertise, which very few other career paths will give you. And then the deep expertise is sort of up to you, isn't it? Um, yeah. You, and you... then it comes afterwards as well. Like once I figure out which field exactly I want to go into, then I can go and start digging deeper and developing deep expertise. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Awesome. So at any point... In your decision, did you feel like money was one of the important factors for you to choose consulting or not over others? Yes. So I always had that in the back of my mind that I need to be financially planned. Not financially stable, but financially planned. So how how that's different and how what that means for me is that even if I don't end up having the amount of money that I want for my job, I need to have other sources of income or other sources of getting the money I need to be able to survive. So that's mm-hmm. like the very basic minimum that I need. And I mean, that's, I think, something that people in my culture tend to think about, but would marriage be a way of getting that? Like having a partner who has that understanding of you bring in the money and I'm doing some other things with my time, but together we're going to make it work 
So that was also an option for me at some point in my life. But then mm-hmm. I, I realized that I do want to have some financial independence of my own. So I do want to have some source of revenue that I can use to do things that mean that are meaningful just to me, not necessarily somebody else. And so that brought in the understanding that I would need to have certain services or products that people are willing to to exchange in for money. Mm. And and that brought the phase of planning things out instead of just focusing on being stable yeah so that's that's a little bit about what money meant to me back in the days and right now i feel like i do want to be doing social impact the, the first startup that i'm doing social impact i do want to have social impact but at the same time i want to also invest money invest my time in something that returns me money something that makes me financially independent and able to Put more money in the things that matter to me. Very interesting. And what does, for example, financial independence and financial stability mean to you? So that's that's a very interesting topic to talk about because obviously you're not fully independent because you're always needing customers, always needing some other people to be able to to provide value to. So financial independence would be more in the sense that I am able to use my money in the ways that I want to Mm -hmm. instead of I am able to get the money independently which I don't think is possible so financial independence would really be about the use of my money and financial stability would be more about am I getting a a consistent source of money so monthly am I able to meet my expenses monthly am I able to um, put some money into whatever I I want that's important Mm. and I feel like Financial independence is is higher on my priority list than financial stability. And that might be, again, culture-wise, I'm able to, to rely on my parents. I'm able to, at this stage, I'm able to rely on my parents to be able to put more time into things that will matter long-term, mm-hmm. even if it's not bringing me the money that I need, as opposed to just really staying in the, like, having part-times that pay the bills and having full-time positions that are really more as opposed to doing something that's better for the long term but might not be as right so at any point did you ever think about financial freedom because we spoke about financial independence and financial mm-hmm. stability which are two big topics in themselves I'll throw in another buzzword that gets thrown around a lot, which is financial mm-hmm. freedom. And I, and I think you were alluding a bit to it when you started saying that, well, you also always have to be dependent on your customers or your clients to provide you the money while you provide them the value. But did you and have you ever thought of financial freedom as well? So I would ask you to explain a little bit about in what way you mean freedom because of course freedom can be from any variety of things yeah so when I say financial freedom I specifically mean say for example the financial independence retire early folks who basically Mm -hmm. will say that I don't even depend on my clients or customers to provide money for the lifestyle that I'm currently leading and now there there are various people on that spectrum there are various ways of getting to that you can say that okay I I somehow figure out a way to 
live and be financially stable with, I don't know, thousand pounds a month, as opposed to all the way to, well, actually, I don't care about financial freedom that much as long as I enjoy my work. And as long as I enjoy my work, I don't, I want to enjoy other things that come with that. So maybe I want 10,000 pounds a month, right? So mm. have you ever considered that scale of fire mm. or financial freedom? And if you have, to what extent? I think there was a course that I started when I was in my first university and it was about mathematical finance. And in the first course itself, the professor was saying that with these tools, you can sit at home, just let the algorithm run and then you'll just be making money like that. And I remember feeling so bad about it because for some reason, at that time I didn't really understand it, but now I can, I see clearly that I do believe that I need to provide some value and then get in exchange get money for it because I see money as a tool of value. And just getting money without actually providing values makes me feel a little bland, makes me feel like I'm not actually productive. Mm-hmm. So there is is a there is a line I draw in between giving money, giving a service, giving a product and receiving money for it, as opposed to just not needing customers, not needing any, just finding like a gap, finding a loop, and then just making money out of it, I would say. So I do I do see a line there. So I have that thought is, about that in that way. So what you just said is it's important to you how you make money, not mm-hmm. only the money. So money as a way to provide value to the world. That's really powerful. If you asked me, I would have always said that money is value. How are these people making money without providing value? I'm a bit surprised with that. I think it was about quantitative easing. And either that or it was something about pricing things in a certain way so that you can make off make money off the margin. I see. So so basically, algorithmic trading, if I'm understanding this right. I think so. Yeah. Let me tell you that I, I, I don't know how much value they provide to the world. Well, I'm sure tons, right? Because they earn tons as well. But it's not really not doing any work. I know traders don't sleep in the nights because they are scared that algorithms might go bizarre whatever so so it's it's not really passive income if that's what your professor alluded to and I I feel like yeah algorithms are amazing I come from a world of algorithms but let's not make a mistake of saying that algorithms will provide you passive income that's that's harder than like we need humans we need humans in the loop (laughs) always but okay, so coming back to what I asked you earlier, Humaira, what would your biggest money question currently be? What is your current biggest money question? So my current biggest money question is the different client attitudes to money and how to navigate them. So just to explain a little bit, I understand the value of money somewhat objectively and can price what I would purchase or not but I find that others don't necessarily have the same view. So I was wondering if there are certain trends, there are certain attitudes that clients consistently have or typically have, and how I would... Interesting. 
break that down for me a bit. When you say clients, whose clients, what clients? So when you're a business, when you're someone who's providing value. So whenever you have an exchange of money, exchange of money for a service, for a value provided. So in that sense, client in that sense. So if I'm just lending money to my brother and then he's returning the same amount of money to me, I wouldn't consider that a client. But if I'm lending money to someone and they're able to buy a house and then they, at some point, at some point are returning it to me, we will be without interest. And the service I provided them was that they had the amount of time to be able to pay me back. So that was the service. That was the value that I offered. Then I would consider that a client. Right. Okay. So from what I'm understanding, you are basically talking as someone who wants to lend money to the market and you are asking about how exactly you come to how much value okay, so you I, I was just giving an example in terms of lending but i can see where you're going because i can see that each different field will have different client attributes yeah people will be expecting different different kind of value from lending services yeah. as opposed to something like buying retail items Correct. so the market the consumer behavior will definitely change in that so i guess what i was more focused on was business behavior okay is but this for now, is is this for your next consulting role or yeah when, when you say business do you mean like you said it it like every consumer and consumers can be retail like you and me or consumers can be businesses also probably like you and me but also bigger businesses than that right um mm -hmm. so obviously i cannot tell you that this will be one blanket answer for mm -hmm. every retail and business out there so let's let's forget that if we mm -hmm. are talking specifically about business even then i think it's important to know what sort of business your client is coming to you for mm -hmm. we can pick an example maybe that that might just be easier for us to work through so do you want to pick an example to were you suggesting maybe that we can take data and tech so data, data and the tech that yeah that uh, surround data okay okay so so say for example your client comes to you to do some data analysis and you do the data analysis, so you are providing a service, right? So now what's the question? So I would know how much I would be paying for something like that, but how would I know how much the client would, that would be the question. Okay, so how much would you charge would very much depend, I believe, on the value that it brings to your client, right? So... I would very quickly, and if you are doing any sort of data analysis or actually solving any problem, I think the first thing you would automatically need to know and understand is what would you be doing with this piece of analysis, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are going to use this piece of analysis to buy a car, it's very different to if you are going to use this piece of analysis to 
hedge on the financial markets. Mm-hmm. I think that context is super important and what they believe the value of you doing this data analysis is. So for example, give me the analysis that says which car I should buy, which provides perhaps no real upside return versus, well, do this data analysis for me and help me hedge my current portfolio, which probably provides, I don't know, like $1 million of benefit, Mm. right? The two products, the two pieces of data analysis now will be charged at very, very different rates, right? For the first one, you could almost say, well, this is probably a retail client who's perhaps my friend for whom I'm not going to charge anything. Or maybe like, you know, you are working as a business and you don't do data analysis for free and you'd probably go to other competitors' website to see are any other of my competitors giving this service and how much are they working this out for? Maybe $100, right? But if you were going to that hedging case, you'd probably say that, okay, I'm building you something that is going to provide you an upside benefit of a million dollars. So I'm going to charge and it could be a fixed fee which mm-hmm. is you know i'm going to charge thousand uh, hundred thousand pounds for that mm-hmm. or it could be a commission based well if you do manage to make x revenue then i'll charge y percent of x mm-hmm. so like i'll charge two percent of x or one percent of x or whatever so those typically would be the ways of understanding value and going from value to price. I guess mm-hmm. that was your question. Wasn't yeah. it? Like, how yeah. do you go from value to price? Because, and and I think there's a very good thing here to suggest. At some point, you might just see that it's not worth doing, right? Mm-hmm. So in the first example, you might just say that, well, no one else is doing this in the market or they are doing it at less than $100 per piece of data analysis. I know my time is worth more than charging $100 for this piece of analysis that takes me a week to do. So it's not mm-hmm. worth doing unless, like as a business. So yeah. you, you take that off the shelf. Does that help? Yeah, definitely. It provides more structure to the question I had and also provide some answers as well, because I think the thing I was struggling most was how to frame the question in a way that I can get answers, which now I have that, so thank you. Okay, so tell me how you reframe the question. So instead of thinking about client attitudes towards my service, now I'm thinking about it in terms of what is the value I'm providing, how is it perceived, and what is the price that corresponds to that value in the eyes of the of the customer and then based on that how does it compare to what pricing do i expect for myself so amazing and does that help you answer the question in your head now yeah yeah awesome and now what's your answer to that so i would say that it really depends on the context of the customer so if for example the customer is a um, retail business in uae 
I would be pricing it very differently from if they were in a country, um, Mozambique, for example, and they were a smaller business there or even dealing with customers there. So it would be, it depends on the context and on the purchasing power. I would be doing like a case-by-case analysis, I think, for, for each business in, in this, to be able yeah. to really understand it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's super interesting that you brought the context in. And yes, the context is helpful. I will also throw in one more nuance into it. Something for you to think about once you go away and probably something to think about for anyone who's listening to this podcast right now. If you live in a certain place, should you be pricing your goods based on other countries purchasing powers is that fair to you i don't have an answer Sorry, i think that would be to the last part of my question is the pricing that they think is worth for my services is that something i agree with so yeah so i think it's a, it's a bit of both like if they want to pay a higher price and they want to pay a higher price i'm sure mm-hmm. in their eyes you provide value but i guess when you are coming to your own pricing strategy as a consultant would you charge lesser fees because the purchasing power in another country is lower and take that perhaps hit into your pnl because Mm -hmm. you are not necessarily in the country that has a lower purchasing power so I would I would say that it really depends on the project because some projects are really very interesting to work on mm. and it would justify taking a hit financially for the sake of working that project. So I've seen I've seen one type of project that's that wind was really like passionate to just brainstorm and talk about it. So I wouldn't mind taking a hit on the you know, just to do it. But it would have to be based on the on the project itself. Awesome. And I don't have an answer to that. That's something that I want people to think about. If you have any thoughts now or later, write me an email at sudeshna at theabundancepsyche.com or, you know, get involved in the discussions on Instagram because I think I might just leave folks with that question. And thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And that was a lovely chat. I hope we can have more of these. And to all our listeners, if that was interesting for you, I want to know your opinions, comments, your answers to that question that I just posed to Humaira on pricing, value, and purchasing power. So till the next time, bye. Okay, thank you. Thank you.